Welcome back to another exciting episode. Today we're going to go over a couple things from my recent newsletter that I thought were really important for the Bitcoin space to keep you guys up to date. Um, you can find that at bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash r188. For my paying members over there on the website, I'm going to do a vi video version of this podcast and hopefully most of my coming podcasts and that will be private for the paying customers over on bitcoinmarks.com until maybe a week or two later then i'll open it up for everybody so make sure you're subscribed on youtube i'll put a link in of you know to that in the show notes as well uh, but let's dive right in all right so issue number 188 the main part up front here is the danger of an inflationary thesis and one of the things i've noticed people in bitcoin is that they approach bitcoin from a very simplistic framework of oh it's a hedge against inflation and now we see that some people are mixing in it's like a stock it's it's like a risk asset and stocks are somewhat inflation hedges as well right because you uh, it's an ownership of future revenue of that company and in an inflationary environment, their revenues should keep up with inflation, at least uh, to some degree. So they are, stocks are also seen as an inflation hedge. But um, mainly when you talk about that, you talk about sound money stuff, right? Gold, silver, Bitcoin. Um, and that is the extent of most people's um, investment thesis around Bitcoin. I think that's very dangerous, though, because what happens when you start going into a recession. We are in a gigantic credit bubble, uh, global credit bubble, and as it's popping, we are in a deflationary environment. At least, uh, you know, they try to kick the can, so they kick the can as far as they can with uh, deflation until eventually they're not gonna be able to kick the can anymore. And it's probably gonna start around the world other than the United States, and I've covered that in many other shows. Um, but I think it's dangerous for Bitcoin to have this, to be reliant so much on this investment thesis. I've seen it in gold for the more than a decade that I was in gold. When it was going up, you know, it seemed that the thesis was correct, but then it stagnated for about 10 years. And it's a very depressing time when you look around and you see what you think is an inflationary scenario but gold is not going up. So anyway, it, and it's dangerous too for Bitcoin because there's a lot of new people that are coming in and these marginal people are relatively upper class, right? So you have like these Michael Saylors and you have high net worth individuals on Wall Street and other places getting into Bitcoin, whether it's through the ETF it's, or CME products or many of the other financial products that are emerging for Bitcoin. And these people are buying in based on this inflationary thesis. Not all of them, but some of them, right? On this inflationary fiat money thesis. And what happens when it's pretty obvious that we're going into a deflationary credit crisis again, into a recession? Well, these people aren't ideologically bound to Bitcoin. And the 1% to 5% of their portfolio that they put into Bitcoin, they're probably going to sell it. It's going to be one of the first things that they sell. So it's, it can't cripple Bitcoin, but it can definitely set Bitcoin back a number of years. 
So I think it's important to build a better thesis. Plus, you know, not only being dangerous, it's incorrect. And in the newsletter, I go through a couple charts here. So this is the pretty, pretty close to the entire history of Bitcoin. And I say for the whole life of Bitcoin, inflation was sub 3%. Or not inflation, I should have put CPI there. I try to make sure to differentiate between consumer prices, CPI, and actual money printing. Because, you know, in a supply shock, you can have uh, supply falling faster than demand. And so prices are going up, even though it's not, it's a deflationary environment. Prices are still going up. Um, anyway, so yeah, for the whole history of Bitcoin, except for a couple months here in 2011, or several months, it was sub 3% on the CPI, yet Bitcoin did just fine. On this chart, I also point out with the black arrows, every time Bitcoin's movement did not agree with CPI. Major, the major one, uh, I'll just go through some major ones. So the major time it didn't agree is 2012 through 2014. CPI was trending down and Bitcoin had the huge Willy Bot Mt. Gox price spike up. Then it agreed for a couple of years. But then in 2017, when we had the monster run up to 20,000, CPI was flat to down. Let's see if I can pull this up, actually. Oh, man, I blew that up. I didn't know my website could do that. So, um, yeah, so we're talking about uh, this section here in 2017. Then in 2018 through 2019, Bitcoin really did not agree with CPI movements at all. The next time that it did agree was after the corona crash. Everything was reinflating. Everything was bouncing. And Bitcoin was there as well as the CPI was coming up. But then when CPI really accelerated, and this is the point I've made recently on, the, on FedWatch, my other podcast, is that April of 2021, CPI, that's when CPI really accelerated. Yet that's also the first top in Bitcoin in April of 2021 at 40 some or 60,000 or something. And so then we've had pretty much flat prices. Even though CPI has continued to accelerate, Bitcoin is sideways to down over that time. So even empirically, when you look at this argument about basing your investment thesis on of Bitcoin on inflation, it's just not empirically correct. Plain and simple. I zoom in with this chart for the last couple of years, and you can see when CPI is flat, that's when Bitcoin really takes off. And then when CPI accelerates up, Bitcoin uh, levels out and drops. Then CPI levels out, Bitcoin accelerates up. CPI accelerates, Bitcoin drops. So my, you know, my anticipation for the rest of this year is that CPI will start coming down, will start going back into recession, and that is actually very bullish for Bitcoin. So instead of having this in inflationary thesis, what is a better thesis that we can have? Well, I outline a few points and I, in the newsletter, I do a, kind of a bad job on this because I'm typing it real quick in the morning. Um, but then I have reposted this over on my other blog, btcm.co, very recently, and I flesh this out better. But the first thing that we need to talk about is, or stress, is that Bitcoin is counterparty free. There is no counterparty risk. For Bitcoin, yes, there are some custodial wallets that will have a counterparty risk, 
but Bitcoin is not based on the value of someone else, someone else's debt. It doesn't depend on someone paying their debt off, which almost all assets within the plumbing of the system, definitely within the liquidity aspects of the dollar, all of that is based on credit. All of those assets are credit-based assets. They all have counterparty risk. They all are pure counterparty risk. They're 100% counterparty risk. Bitcoin is 100% counterparty free. That needs to be stressed. So in a credit crisis, in a recession, CPI should be coming down because, you know, um, with credit-based money, inflation, money printing is growth. Growth and inflation are the exact same thing. So if growth is coming down, you should expect CPI to be coming down somewhat as well. So in this period where CPI is coming down, you're having stress build up in the credit-based system and you should see people fleeing to safe havens and Bitcoin happens to be the best safe haven. It's better than gold in this respect because you know gold can't settle across the world in 10 minutes for fractions of a dollar. Right now, I think I haven't looked at it today, but on Friday, the fees were around 50 cents to send any size transaction. Imagine sending a billion dollars across the world. You'd have to pay for the shipping, the security, uh, the assaying when it gets there, um, the storage when it gets there. It's just a super, super expensive system. And that's why it went away, right? That's why we went to this credit-based system that we have now. But Bitcoin actually solves that problem. Right, you can have um, a sound money, a limited supply money without counterparty risk that can be transmitted over a communications channel, as Trace Mayer always used to like to say. Um, so that's the first and foremost thing to stress is the counterparty risk or counterparty free nature of Bitcoin. The second is Bitcoin's ecosystem continues to grow. You have mining, wallets, trading, stable coins, media outlets savings, lending, collateralized loans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Bitcoin's financialization and Bitcoin's product offering continues to grow while the rest of the system that's dollar-based is stagnating and crashing. And that's very important because Bitcoin is somewhat, and its ecosystem is somewhat insulated from dollar problems because it is a new money. And yes, actors within, you know, companies within Bitcoin's ecosystem, they have exposure to dollars just naturally by being part of the dollar system. They might have dollar loans, like miners might have dollar loans, um, et cetera, et cetera. But they are somewhat insulated. They're more insulated than pretty much any other industry because they do have Bitcoin there as this second money within the ecosystem. So that's the second thing to stress counterparty free and it has an insulated ecosystem third thing that i want to stress is that uh, it has network effects and the the nature of the technology is just hitting its stride and it's going on the s curve of adoption so it's going to start taking off there's a huge asymmetric um, benefit to investing in Bitcoin. There's very high upside and very low upside or very low downside. So prices will fluctuate around a mean as we've seen, but over the life of this new technology, as it gets adopted broadly, it has these network effects and it is going to continue to grow. So that is unique as well. So if you could go back into 1999, 
1980s, and invest in this kind of moment in the internet, you'd be investing in all of these huge technologies that are taking off. And that's what Bitcoin offers right now as well. It's a very unique industry at this moment in history. So those are the three things that I think form a investment thesis that is way, way better than any sort of inflationist risk asset type stressing of, you know, there's so much inflation, uh, we need to invest in Bitcoin. Not in a recession, not in a deflationary crisis, which is what a credit crisis is. And the world is about to head into a major, you know, I would even call this like a double dip of 2020. It bounced and it's coming back down. Of course, that differs where you are in the world. China, for instance, and uh, Europe, big, big trouble. They are going to be looking for something like Bitcoin. So placing Bitcoin in that respect is going to make it a better investment opportunity than saying it's an inflation hedge. So that's it for the first half. Let's uh, take a break. I'll come back with the second half of the newsletter. 